0: Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. I am so glad you are with me this week. We have a new guest on and you guys are gonna be so encouraged. You know, on the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast, we talk about everything homeschooling. I was thinking about this this morning and I thought it's, it's so interesting the people that God brings to us because we talk about everything. We talk about like how to homeschool and we talk about all the different methods of homeschooling and we talk about um you know questions and answers that you guys have with homeschooling and all the different things that encompass home education and family discipleship. But one of the things I love to talk about is kind of what's going on outside of homeschooling. And so we have a guest on today. His name is John Stamper and he's he was a public school teacher for 13 years. He's been in the system. He actually went to public school uh, for the second half of his schooling career uh, when he was a kid, but he was also homeschooled. and so he has a really unique perspective on, public schools and what's going on in the public school system. Um, he's a coach and he is an author. He's the author of this book. It's called Conflicted, Pulling Back the Curtain on Public Education. So we're going to talk about that this week. We're going to talk about what's going on in the public school system. And I love that we get to talk about these things because it's real. It's, it's, I think, one of those things that reminds us why we're doing what we're doing. And when we get that little itch to maybe put our kids back in public school and say, oh, you know, it's going to be okay. We're having a hard time with homeschooling. We want to give you these reminders of, okay, this is what's actually going on in the public school system. And so I'm glad that you're with us this week. It's going to be a great conversation. But before we get started, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, CTC Math. If you guys are looking for a great online math program, visit ctcmath.com. Try them out for free, ctcmath.com. Well, John, welcome to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. I'm so glad to get to meet you and we've had fun chatting. Uh, Before we get started, introduce yourself to our audience and uh, tell us who you are and a little bit of your background.
1: Sure. Hi, it's nice to meet you as well. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, everybody. Uh, I am John Stamper. I'm from Indiana. I was a public school and private school teacher for 13 years, 11 of those years were public schools. Um, I've taught multiple grade levels, multiple subject areas. Um, I currently am creating uh, homeschool courses uh, through Masterbooks, the Masterbooks Academy. They're a Christian homeschool curriculum provider. I also wrote this book and I host a podcast called The State of State Schools, where I kind of give a weekly recap on what's happening in schools. But as Yvette mentioned, I was homeschooled the first half of my uh, childhood, my childhood education. Went to public school, was a public school teacher, private school teacher, and now I'm back working in the homeschool field. So it's kind of gone like full circle. I've had a you know a wide variety of experiences over my career, so hopefully something that we talk about today resonates with you out there, and you guys can relate to it, and you leave encouraged.
0: Yeah, tell us a little bit about your childhood with being homeschooled because you said your mom started homeschooling you yeah. early on. Um, what give us kind of a background on that?
1: Sure. So this is a bit of a story. So feel free to ask a question if I go on too long, but um. So we grew up in small town, Indiana, a rural community, farming community. I'm the youngest of four. So right around 1990 is when all this started to happen. I was about four or five years old. My older siblings were enrolled in the local public schools at the time. And um, our local public school system had a tradition of allowing outside community groups like 4-H, Girl Scouts, the Gideons, to come into schools once a year and kind of talk to students to let them know what's out there. So the gideons had a tradition for decades where they would go to the fifth grade uh, classrooms and talk about what the gideons do you know we distribute bibles to hotels et cetera. and if anyone wanted a bible they would give them a bible and this had been happening and the school board wanted this to happen but a parent in the community sued the school board um over the the bible issue you know saying you're forcing your religion on my children separation of church and state et cetera. um the Courts actually ruled in favor of the school board initially allowing the Gideons to come back and distribute Bibles. But the court case went on to the Indiana Supreme Court and it was then overturned, um, siding with the plaintiffs. So the Gideons could no longer distribute Bibles in our local schools, um, in our town. So that is the event that prompted my parents to pull my siblings and me out of the public schools to homeschool. So, this is kind of where the story gets interesting. Um, in response to all this that was going on in our hometown, a uh, small hometown, my mom wrote a letter to the editor of our local newspaper, really small newspaper, called the Rensselaer Republican. <laughs> and uh, her article was titled, The Absence of the Bible Leads to Moral Decay. Mm. And at this time, my parents were new Christians. Maybe four or five years they've been serving the Lord Christians with four young kids, right under the age of 10. So that's where they were. They're about 31, 32 years old, new Christians, trying to raise kids, working hard. So my mom wrote this letter just kind of citing how since the Bibles have been, you know, systematically removed in the Ten Commandments, et cetera, society's woes have really inclined, you know, depression, anxiety, divorce, suicide, murder, all these things are just skyrocketing and they're linked. Um, so she just encouraged people to pray and, you know, pray for the leaders of the country, et cetera. Well, She sent that in it got published in our little paper. And a few weeks later, my mom got a phone call while my dad was at work from the Maury Povich TV show. (laughs) If any of you have heard of Maury Povich. Oh yeah. And they they were like, we read your article in the Associated Press out of New York City. Wow. She was like, huh, what, how did that happen? So somehow her article got published in the Associated Press newspaper. Um, A few minutes later, the Phil Donahue show called, inviting my mom and dad onto the show to kind of be a counter argument to Madeline Murray O'Hara, which if any of you remember her, she was the president of the American atheists, the most prominent uh, atheist group in America at the time. She was probably the most prominent atheist in America. Um, She was like the main guest on the Phil Donahue show. So my parents prayed about it. And I mean, my dad's an iron worker. My mom's a stay-at-home mom. They're not activists. They're not involved in local politics. So they're like, What are we going to do? So they prayed and they felt like, okay, here's an opportunity. I think God wants us to go. So they went out to New York, got flown (laughs) out there. Um, They're getting ready for the show and they're kind of backstage as, as you are. Um, I remember my dad said he had to use the restroom before, before they went uh, into the studio. And as he's walking down the hall, Miss O'Hara, Miss O'Hara stepped into the hall at the exact same time and they had never met each other. And she said to my dad, you're the ones you're from Rensselaer, aren't you? and he said yes ma'am I am and she said those Gideons are slime she had heard about the court case in Rensselaer my hometown about the Gideons um so it was not off to a good start anyway <laughs> they go into the studio and it's it's a largely Atheist audience supporters of Miss O'Hare and Miss O'Hare during taping is talking about how you know Christians haven't done much for society what do they really do anyway Christians really don't like me you know et cetera. they hate me It's kind of bad-mouthing Christians so my parents were the last ones to speak on the show. And if you've ever seen the Donahue show, people can call in and, you know, they ask questions Our audience members stand up and hold the mic and they talk. So he introduced my parents. They're sitting front row and um, he introduced them and kind of talked about the get-ins. And my dad, even though my mom wrote the letter, my dad was kind of the one who spoke. Um, and he started off. First thing he said is he looked directly at Miss O'Hare and said, you know, Miss O'Hare, I'm a Christian and I don't hate you. In fact, I love you. And Jesus Christ loves you. And he basically got to give a gospel message to the whole nation. Wow. You know, and um, just like he just, he pointed to Christ and he, you know, he talked about, you know, the separation of church and state that's not found in our constitution, but it is found in the founding documents of the USSR. And, you know, he he just went on a, like, a, he just, he gave a great message and um, it was something obviously I still remember and it's encouraging to me, but. So that's what my parents went through, and kind of a wild experience. But that's what led to us being homeschooled. So you, you mentioned something at the beginning here. You said why we're doing what we're doing, um, and that's something that I as long as as often as I tell this story about my parents, that's the key message. Is you know I don't remember many projects I did when I was homeschooled. Um, a few, but I always will remember why we were homeschooled, yeah. why we did what we did, why my parents made that decision. You know, so as new Christians, they prioritize the word of God and they wanted to raise their kids, you know, in the fear and admonition of the Lord. They wanted us to have a relationship with Christ and given what was going on in the local schools, they're removing the Bibles, they're shunning it. That's why they wanted to homeschool us so that they could teach us the word. And so I'll always remember their example that they set, you know, that the word of God had to be number one. It had to reign supreme. So my encouragement to parents out there, if you're a parent and you're wondering, should, you know, maybe you're in public schools, maybe you're not, you're making the decision, what should I do? Just know that you matter to your children. What you do matters and why you do what you do matters. They're gonna remember the example that you set. So hopefully that's an encouragement to you. I'm not trying to put pressure on you or a burden, but be encouraged that, you know, what you do matters. So if you take a principal stand on the word of God, you know, it's going to pay dividends for your children. Here I am. This is 30 plus years after the fact, and I'm still remembering learning yeah. lessons. Uh, we'll talk about later on, maybe, you know, my experience with Chicago Public Schools and yeah. the dilemma that I faced. But 30 years after my parents' example, I was still remembering and still learning from their example. So parents yeah. matter now more than ever.
0: Love it. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. No parent should homeschool alone. You have a God-given calling to bring up your child to love God and to steward His creation. And BJU Press exists to help you be successful in that endeavor. Visit their website at BJUPressHomeschool.com or call 1-800-845-5731 to connect with an experienced homeschool consultant. Apologia supports homeschool families with Christ-centered K-12 homeschool curriculum designed to engage your student as they experience the awe and wonder of creation and their Creator. Designed by leading scholars with a biblical worldview, Apologia's award-winning curriculum is written in a conversational tone directly to the student to encourage independence. Hands-on activities and experiments help students solidify the concepts they're exploring and build a lifelong love of learning. Visit us at Apologia.com. We are back with John Stamper. Um, I love that story of your parents. And I think one of the things that I was thinking through is you know, we, we often talk about our why, like, why are we doing this? Why do we homeschool our kids? But I think oftentimes, I, at least I know for myself, I forget to remind my kids why we do this. And I think it's important for us to talk about that with our kids. You know, why are we choosing to do this? It's not just for the academics. Um, as a matter of fact, for our family, it's not for the academics at all. Those are an important part of it, but it's more because, we want to instill a biblical worldview into their lives and their hearts and their minds. And we want to point them to Jesus. And that that's kind of that whole point of your story with your parents. Um, And so I think it's important for us to remember like, okay, we need to tell our kids, you know, on a semi-regular basis, just remind them this is why we're doing this. As a matter of fact, it's so interesting with our movie schoolhouse rocked. uh, One of the audiences that we did not expect was kids uh, to enjoy the movie, and so we had a lot of people who have responded and said we watched this as a family, and our kids finally understood why we've chosen to homeschool them, and that's been such a great blessing and encouragement to us with the movie. And so, so thank you for that encouragement. Um, talk about your time in the public school system. I know that you left your career as a public school teacher in Chicago. Um, talk through that with us. Why did you leave your career to do that?
1: Sure. Um, so. Prior to Chicago, I taught for Chicago public schools um, from 2020 to 2021, just the one school year, the first full school year of the COVID shutdown. (laughs) Prior to that, um, most of my career had been in Indiana, uh, one year in Tennessee. Um, But most of my career, I mean, I love my career. I had been involved in good schools, great principals, colleagues, students, et cetera. I coached a lot. So I I love my career. I was getting better and better. I was becoming a great teacher and coach. but. when uh, I married my wife, I was still teaching in Indiana. We were living in Chicago. I was commuting, but you know, we moved further north, and I couldn't do the commute to Indiana. So I, I looked around and interviewed for jobs in Chicago, and I took a job at a school in Chicago, Chicago Public Schools. So we were we started online that school year. We were online remote until March of that school year, so almost the whole year remote. Um, and during the fall of that year, so the fall of 2020. You can kind of take yourself back there. Yeah, You know, most schools were remote. Some were opening, but, you know, we're struggling with this virtual learning. Right, And all the teachers in the school district had to complete mandatory training, which is normal. We do that every year. And it's usually like a new state policy or like, you know, safety protocol, et cetera. Nothing major. You just got to complete it. But this particular training session in the fall, right in the onset of COVID, like we had never been... Teaching virtually before. So, you would think that maybe they're going to give us some strategies on how to manage a virtual classroom, <laughs> you know, having never done it ever. But no, all of the training slides and materials were about political radical ideologies like critical race theory, intersectionality, gender theory, right? So, I was kind of like, this seems a little off base. I had never experienced this in any of my public schools before. I kind of heard about it a little bit, but I was always like, never witnessed it. So this was kind of my first experience seeing it face-to-face. And these theories, critical race theory, gender theory, they're being presented to us as fact, right? Mm -hmm. This is what we're basing our practices on, our policies. So these are the things that we want you guys to do in the classroom, right? Like it's a fact. So, you know, some of the topics were preferred pronouns, supporting transgender students, uh, intersectionality right so some of the policies were always to affirm a transgender student if a student says you know i'm a boy or a girl it's best practice to affirm them right and then so i mean as a christian i kind of i already had a conflict with this because i view this as lying to that child if a child's confused about these things i can i'm compassionate about that i understand confusion is normal but to knowingly lie that's not compassionate or loving and as a christian i'm not going to do that so Already there's a conflict between what my employer is asking me to do and what my God is asking me to do, right? Right. So um, that was kind of the initial conflict. Uh, So an example of some of the materials for kindergarten, um, they asked us to present kindergartners with the gender unicorn. This was to teach students about gender. And it looks like Barney, it's like a purple unicorn. And uh, it says you can be you can be a boy, a girl, or another gender, right? So there are more than two genders. You can be attracted to a boy, a girl, or another gender. So, and that's at kindergarten. Mm. And they're saying they're going to love this cute character. Um, so those were the directives from, you know, my school. Uh, other slides, if you've ever heard of the, the concept of intersectionality. Um, yeah,
0: I've not heard of that. I was going to ask you what that is.
1: Yeah. So Intersectionality is it's kind of like um a doctrine of critical race theory. So in my book, I, I discussed this, but uh what this was intersectionality, we were given a slide called intersecting identities. And uh what intersecting identities means is there are two groups. There are privileged groups and marginalized groups. And based on your characteristics, you're in one of these two groups. So uh the graphic that they presented us, it was two circles. On the outside circle were all the privileged groups. And on the inside circle were all the marginalized groups. And then <laughs> so the privileged groups were guilty of using tactics of abuse on the marginalized groups. So I'll give you some examples. I'm looking at it right now. I'll give you some examples of the privileged groups that was in my teacher training that all the teachers in Chicago were presented with. So white people, you're privileged. Boys, men, cisgender people, which means. I identify as a man, I was born a man, I'm still a man, I'm cisgender, that's the language. If you're wealthy, if you're a homeowner, if you're middle class, you're privileged. If you're straight, if you're an adult, if you speak English, if you're a Christian, if you don't have a disability, these are all privileged groups. Now, what's really interesting is wherever two of those identities meet, they're intersecting, you have an assigned tactic of abuse. So I'll show you what I'm talking about if you're a christian and you have a dis or you're not disabled your healthy body and you're a christian you are also guilty of emotional abuse on non-christians and people with a disability so they're just assigning these allegations because i'm a christian
0: wow
1: not based on my behavior or my record but i'm abusive and then they go on to say for example if you're white and you're a man where those two intersect you're emotionally abusive toward people of color and girls. Just because I'm a white man, I'm emotionally abusive. And I'm a Christian, I'm emotionally abusive. And this goes on. And this is their training. This is not theory. This is what they're saying is true. Wow. And we need to, we're going to set our policies based on these facts. So, you know, to put it mildly, um, this was a big conflict for me. Uh, you know, I was sure. not going to implement that or comply with that. So, that was kind of the basis of my decision to to leave um so my initial response was uh to file a formal complaint with the school board saying look these things that you're putting in these trainings they are prejudiced they're discriminatory um they're dividing you know it, what this actually does is it it pits classmates against each other turns yeah. them into enemies right. colleagues turns them into enemies here I am in my school. I feel I feel like an enemy in my own school. Right. Based on what my school district is saying about me. So, mm-hmm. um, and so I I filed this formal complaint, and basically everything in that complaint is I include in my book. But um, they did reply, you know, they did reply and say, We've chosen not to investigate this. Mm-hmm. Just not even <laughs> gonna look into it. Of course, it's against the school board, and so the school board's not gonna investigate itself. Right. Themselves. right. <laughs> so sorry, you know, see you later. Yeah. And that was it. So that's that's why I was like, they're not even gonna consider this, And then so that is what caused me uh to resign. I, I prayed about mm-hmm. it. I was I didn't want to leave my career. you know, I was kind of stuck in a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a serious conflict with these directives that are being given me. Right. But this is my career. I worked hard for this. I feel like God has blessed me in this career. you know yeah. I've learned so much through my career and so many relationships. Um, and I believe God's given me a set of skills and it's a privilege to be in front of children every day and to be a witness, you know, like a a Christian example to them. Um, so it was a real struggle for me. So to any teachers out there who are going through this and you're most likely going to experience this, if you haven't, it's a real conflict. So the bottom line is like, you got to be in relationship with God and you really got to seek him and communicate with him daily and be in the word and seek his guidance because, you know my ultimate decision was and it wasn't an easy decision was i felt the lord was asking me to leave and to move on i what kept coming back to me was like lot you know lot leaving mm-hmm. the city before destruction yeah i was like you know i tried to warn the school board of the wrongs in these trainings right. they didn't want to hear it they refused to listen yeah they refused to look into it so i feel like i need to get out of here before destruction comes yeah um but you know that's what god was telling me what he's telling you Maybe he wants you to take a different stand. I don't know, but, um, the point yeah. is be in relationship with the Lord and uh, communicate with him here for yourself.
0: I can't imagine how hard yeah. that would be, and I really do, you know, I admire you for your uh, willingness to step down and step away um with I, I know that was a really hard decision. Um, yeah. and I mean, it's we're faced with these decisions. It seems like every day, whether it's with our jobs or. You know, we 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 have a situation. Um, we had a situation recently with our girls where there was something, you know, a movie they wanted to watch and um it was a movie that was not acceptable to our family. And we just said, you know what, it's we're we're just not gonna do this. Like we have standards for our family, biblical standards that we live by. And even when it seems like the whole world is doing something else, we're gonna stand different, we're gonna do something different. And we Several weeks ago, we replayed a message from Miki Addison um, from our Homegrown Generation Family Expo. It was an online conference that we did, and and there we're talking about this very topic of like standing against what the world is telling us to do, and sometimes it's so hard as Christians to do that. But God is worthy. He is worth it. He is worth us standing firm on our convictions. And so I love that you did that. Uh, we have so much more to talk about, but we are out of time. So we are going to come back on Wednesday. We're going to talk more about uh, John and his career and what God is doing with him and, and just the things that um, it, the Lord has shown him through working in the public school system. And we're going to bring some encouragement as well, of course, because that's what we do on the Schoolhouse Rocks podcast. So thank you guys so much for being with us. Make sure you stay tuned to the very end of this episode so you can hear a little clip of what's coming next on the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. If you guys have not yet subscribed to our newsletter, go to our website, schoolhouserocked.com and keep informed of everything we have going on. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you back here on Wednesday, bye.
1: What we do at IEW is break through the, the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts. And we say, this is what you do step-by-step, step. and I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable so any mom can teach writing to their children using our course, and we guarantee it.
0: To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com slash rocked.
1: Marxism itself is an atheist ideology. Karl Marx Uh, was quoted by saying, my objective in life is to dethrone God and destroy capitalism. That was Karl Marx. Lenin removed Bibles from schools and Mao and the Kim family both portrayed themselves as gods, right? So they corrupt, you know, the biblical model is corrupted. So the Soviet Union under Lenin, they focused on collectivism and playing your role in society. Lenin tried to politicize education as young as possible. He said that kindergarten classes were the sprouts of communism. That's how important politics were in the young ages of school. Pol Pot in uh, Cambodia rewarded teachers for promoting communism. Anyone who questioned it, they were labeled as traitors or oppressors.